There you go. I got hooked on that Pokemon Go, and I've regretted downloading it ever since, but I can't delete it because just pray for me, I have issues. Well, good morning. I do bring you greetings from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, It took us four hours to get here yesterday. Um, And I have a three-year-old in the car. Daddy, I want to get out. I want to get out. And and she gets car sick, so we never really know if that means, Daddy, I'm about to lose it, or if she's just being three and really wants to get out. But we made it, and we're here, and I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this for months, for months now. Um, It's kind of been a crazy week for, for my family. I just got back from Atlanta where uh, my grandmother, she fell serving at church uh, at, our, at my old church in Atlanta and um, popped a blood vessel in her brain. And so she's been, she was in ICU, then they, she was doing better, then they moved her out of ICU and she would just stop responding. So they moved her back into ICU where she lost all brain activity. All of her brain activity stopped. She was still breathing and, and all of that, but all of her brain activity stopped. And so I called and, and I talked to my uncle and he said, get, you know, get here because you don't want to have not been here and something happened. So I jumped on a flight, uh, Sunday morning, arrived in Atlanta and saw my grandmother with all of the electrodes and things hooked up to her hooked up to her head and um, all she could say she she could she knew who I was but she couldn't really communicate she all she could say was baby and that was it and um, just to give you a little bit of my story I was raised by a single mother who had two boys and so I witnessed the struggle for her and my grandmother raised me my grandmother had an in-home daycare I was her first her first child that started that all and and so my grandmother means a lot to me um, and to see her in that state, it, it devastated me to my core. Um, but that was that night. And then Monday, miraculously, she woke up and she could talk. She knew who we were. And so for those of you, I don't know what the struggles are in this room this morning, but I am here as a, as a witness that God is still in the miracle business. God is still willing to do what we ask him to do but we have to ask for it. Prayer works. So this morning, I'm, I brought my wife with me. My wife, Anna, um, is here. My daughter, Serenity, amazingly, is over with the other kids. Um, she saw Play-Doh, and that was the end of that. Um, and we are expecting our second child. We just found out. Come on, somebody. Yeah. I am praying to the Lord for a boy. I know it's already been decided. I know he, whatever it is, it's in there. But, but I'm praying for a boy. I can't be outnumbered, y'all. I'm, I'm outnumbered already. And, but whatever it is, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. It's going to be mine. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to, let me get my notes up here to Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you know this story, and you know what's about to happen. Uh, It's where Jesus is praying in the garden. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't got it, say, wait a minute. (laughs) 
If you got it now, say, I got it now. Awesome. Um, just, to, just before I start, sometimes I get excited. And when I get excited, I yell. And so if you're not somebody who likes a preacher who screams, I'm going to apologize right now. Um, uh, forgive me. If I say something that offends you, uh, I'm sorry. Just write it down on a $20 bill and hand it to me and I will pray over that. <laughs> or you can send all of your discon- your anger to Ben at whatever his email address is and he will respond to you. You got it? Are you there? Let's start. It says, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep and he said, Peter, could you not watch with me even an hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken, taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they could not keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. The title of my message this morning, if you're one of those people who has to have a a title, it's but God. But God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are in our lives. Lord, we love you this morning. Father, I pray that the flesh would decrease and the spirit would increase within me, that your people would hear the words that you would have for them to hear that will change their today, their tomorrow, and their destiny. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You know, some versions in that says that when Jesus was praying, he said, but not my will, yours be done. And I got to thinking about that, that word, that three-letter word, that but. And, and it's, it's interesting to me because growing up in high school, I wasn't the beautiful man that you see before you. <laughs> I, uh, I weighed a lot more and I wore the circle glasses. And I grew up in a different area, a, a different era than people today. When, when we were growing up, I got bullied. I got bullied bad because we didn't have the money that everybody else had. And so my clothes were all secondhand. And uh, I made the mistake of one day going to school. I had on a Fila shirt. Some, I don't know if anybody, the younger people remember Fila. But it was a Fila shirt and Nike shoes. The Fila shirt was yellow, white, and black striped. And the Nike shoes were brown and purple. You don't do that. That's a color combo that is not okay. And I'll never forget, I wasn't a part 
of at that time, I wasn't in the jock crowd, I wasn't in the, the nerd crowd or any of those other groups or sects. I was kind of in the, the crowd that kind of gets forgotten. It was the invisible crowd. You kind of just sunk into the back. Nobody, people knew who you were. You had friends that were jocks. You had friends that were nerds. You had friends in all of the other groups, but, but you yourself, you were kind of invisible. And so I was in that crowd, but every morning we would get to school and we would, we would kind of have to wait in this hallway where before they would let us down the hall to our class. And I stood across from the hood crowd, the thugs, the ghetto folk. <laughs> Some of you looking like, I don't know what that, but that's who they were. And so we, I was standing there and I could overhear them making fun of my outfit. And I threw the shoes away as soon as I got home. And I changed, like, it, I'll never forget that. It's burned in my memory. Um, the reason I tell you that story is because so that you know my status in high school. But I knew cheerleaders and I knew football players and I knew all of those other people. And so when I was going into my junior year, we, my mom lost her job with the county that we were living in. So we had to move and I was going to change schools. And, uh, and, and I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm just going to throw caution to the wind. It's my last week here. What are they going to, you know, it's, it's not going to matter. I can reinvent myself next year and no one's going to know who I am. And so I was like, I was telling my friend, I was like, you know, I'm going to ask out that cheerleader that we know. They're like, don't do it. Don't do it. She doesn't even know who you are. She's a cheerleader. She's a popular cheerleader. She's going to shoot you down. I'm like, I don't care. I'm leaving. What difference does it make? If she says no, I'll leave. And uh, and so I, I worked up the courage, and I finally went over to her, and I said, you know, back in the day, we didn't say, hey, you want to go to a movie? Or it was like, hey, can I get your number? And it was like the number to the house. It wasn't a cell phone number. It wasn't a pager number. It was the number to the house. And if you really liked the person, you would they would give you the number, and you would have to call, and the parents would answer the phone, right? Like the... Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. I got the right crowd. The mom or dad would answer the phone, and you would have to say, uh, "Can I, can I speak to your daughter, please? Or can I speak to your son, please?" And you know, the, the dad would inevitably ask, "Who's this?" You know, and that, that, and it may not have been that deep, but you thought that it was that deep. And all the guys in the room say, "Amen." <laughs> it sounded that deep. Who is this? You know, and you had to explain who you were. And so I asked her for her number, and she said, "I like you." But not like that. Never something as a guy you want to hear. But anyway, like I said, I was moving on. And, and that word, but, it's, it, it's interesting because it always nullifies what preceded it. I like you, but not like that. And you always, see, it was good. If she didn't, if she didn't say, but it was a good day. It was a good conversation. I like you in period. I'm done. I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to go. But that word, but changed my life because after that, you know, nothing good is coming. So if it's a positive on the other side of the, but bad news on the other side, but if it's bad news, on the side, on this side of the butt, there's good news on the other side. And as I read the Bible and I, I see stories that have to do with Jesus interacting with his, with people, I don't know about you, but I get excited whenever I see God interject a butt in the story. 
And I don't know what your story is, but I know that God has interjected a but in the middle. You see, in our story, in my life story, my uncle, when I was eight years old, he died in a motorcycle accident. So we all started going to church. So my uncle passed, but God intervened and changed my forever. And I don't know what your situation is this morning, but I believe in a God that interjects a butt in the middle. And even though it may be bad right now, you are living in a butt. God. Can somebody say amen? I heard that this was a responsive church. And I guarantee if you amen me, loud enough that the sermon will get gooder. Amen. Thank you. You'll get a gooder sermon and you'll get a shorter sermon. Come on, somebody. Who hungry in here? Who hungry this morning? But I want to read a couple of, a couple of stories from the Bible. I'm not going to ask you to turn there uh, just for time's sake, but, but we're going to read a couple and, and we're going to watch as God interjects a butt. And I believe that these stories, these stories represent you and I because some of us will find ourselves in a situation. And when it comes to a point where, where God has pushed the pause button and in, inserted a butt in our lives, sometimes we sit there and we decide that it's taking too long. It's taking too long and, and when we get involved, messiness ensues. It becomes messy. It becomes a situation that we are not prepared for. But if we wait on God and we let that butt play out in our lives, we will begin to see God move. This first story, it's actually two stories in one. It's in Mark chapter five, verses 21 through 43. And it says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him. Can we stop right here for a second? Can you imagine Jairus at this point? I know, where where are the parents at? If you're a parent, raise your hand. Can you imagine, let's just take a second and imagine that your son or daughter is sick. And you go to, you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I need, would you please come and, 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 and heal my daughter? And he says, absolutely, I'm coming, I'm on my way. Can you imagine the the excitement in Jarius' heart, in Jarius' life, when, when God himself says, I'm coming. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to touch your daughter, and she's going to live. Can you imagine for just a second what that must have been like for him? He's excited. He's ecstatic. And the crowd, he's like, move out of the way. Jesus is coming to my house. Move, move. Get out of the way. You over there. Back up. Hey, can I get some security over here? You go over there. Back up. Jesus is coming. Make way. Come on, Jesus. Let's go. It's this way. We're going. Come on, Jesus. Jesus is coming to my house. See, sometimes when we read the Bible, we forget that these are real people. We, these are real people with real emotion. And can you imagine the emotion of a father whose daughter is sick and has now been promised healing? 
Can you imagine the excitement? And I guarantee you, you'll never read this story the same way again because when you take it and you bring it in personal, when you make it personal to you, it changes the way you see this story. So they're on their way. And the Bible says, uh, a woman in the crowd had been suffering for 12 years with a consistent, with consistent bleeding. All the women say, hmm. There it is. <laughs> she had suffered a great deal with many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, somebody say, immediately. The bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Can we stop right there for just a second? This lady had been dealing with this issue for 12 years. I have to know that Jairus's daughter was 12 years old. Sometimes your situations and circumstances are not just about you. Sometimes what you're going through, as painful as it may be, as scary as it might seem, as heartbreaking as it is, as terrible as it makes your body feel, it's not necessarily always about you. 12 years old. This lady had been dealing with 12 for 12 years. That's just a neat little point. Has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But Jesus asked, who touched me? And the disciples, again, here's where my sarcastic mind kicks in. Because they ask a legit question. But I hear it sarcastically. Who touched you? Did he just say who touched me? Jesus, there's a crowd of people pressing to get to you. And you ask, who touched you? Uh, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, was that a trick question, Jesus? I, I think I got it. Everyone? No? All right. It's okay, you can laugh. We're in church, I know. And the Bible says that Jesus ignores that and he looks around and he's, he's, he's wondering who, who touched him and the lady says, it was me. And he tells her to go because her faith has healed her. Can you imagine in the midst of this lady's situation, if she, when Jesus hit the pause button in the, the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. Her family said, there's nothing. You, you've been dealing with it for 12 years. You might as well continue to deal with it. It's been 12 years. You've dealt with it this long. Continue and deal with it. Can you imagine if this lady in this circumstance said, you know what? They're right. They're right. I might as well just deal with it. 
It's been 12 years. Can you imagine if she allowed that but situation to turn into what her life circumstance would become? I can't imagine having to deal with that. Having, having people tell you, I'm getting ahead of myself. Mm, don't want to do that. The Bible says, while Jesus was still speaking to her, a message arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher anymore. Let's go back to Jairus, the man who was so excited that Jesus was coming because he, the last he heard, I'm sure he was way ahead, pushing the crowd out of the way. Jesus is coming to my house. And so he doesn't realize he's in front. He doesn't realize that Jesus has stopped to figure out who touched him in this crowd of people. And so Jairus is still excited and the news comes. What has God promised you? What has God promised you that seems like it's dead? What has God promised you? What is the ministry that God has told you you were going to be involved in? What does the family look like that God promised you? What is that job that God promised you look like? They may be telling you that layoffs are coming. They may be telling you that your loved ones have no brain activity. But I believe in a God who no matter what... The circumstances look like in the physical, moves things in the spirit realm. To say that my promises for you are still yay and amen. Somebody here this morning, I, I, I believe that God is, is wanting me to tell you that he has not changed his mind about you. Those things that he has promised you, he has not forgotten. You are not left alone. He has not forgotten you. You are just in a pause, but situation. And if you press on and press into God, he is going to bring those promises to fruition. But you got to keep going. Sometimes it seems like Jesus has stopped or God has stopped in your life. But that's not the case. That's so far from the case. It's so far from the truth. The enemy would want nothing more than for you to get distracted by situations and circumstances and forget the promises of God. No use troubling the teacher now. Your daughter is dead. But... Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Just have faith. If you right now are in a but situation, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go Go with him except for Peter, James, and John. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all the commotion and weeping? The child is dead. She, the child is dead. 
Ah, sorry. The child isn't dead. <laughs> She's only asleep. Pause right there. I don't know how many of you have ever had someone in your family pass away, but I have. And can I tell you, somebody walks in where you're grieving and just like, what's up? Why are you guys crying? It's just asleep. What does this do? Let me tell you how the body works. She's not breathing. Her heart stopped. She's not just sleeping. She's dead. Thank you and goodbye. Remember, these are real people dealing with real struggles and real emotion. And Jesus busts in and says, no, she's just asleep. And I don't know, I, I don't know, it doesn't tell us that they know who he is, but by their response, I'm assuming they don't, because it says they laughed at him. And this is probably my favorite part of this verse. But he made them all leave. <laughs> Get out. You, 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 all of you, get out. He made them all leave. Who in your life is telling you that your dreams are dead? Who is it in your life that is keeping you from realizing that God is still in the blessing business? Because sometimes you got to make them leave. Sometimes you got to put them out. You know what? I'm not on. I'm sorry. I love you, but I'm on a different journey. You gots to go. You gots to go. And you need to surround yourself with people who believe and have faith like you. He put them out. Y'all, he put them out. All of them. The grandma, the babysitter, the aunties, the uncles, next door neighbors, the people down the street, the people on the swim team. He put them all out. And we know the rest of the story. We know that Jesus goes to to heal the, the young girl and she gets up and she's a 12 year old. So she runs around and she's excited. What is it? That God is wanting to wake up in your life. What is it that you are in the middle of a but situation and circumstance? There's one more story. I won't read it, but I'll I'll just do a brief a brief overview of it. And it's another one of my favorites. It's called it's the story of blind Bartimaeus. It's the story of blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting, he's there, and, and Jesus is walking by, and, and, and the people are, are screaming Jesus' name, and he realizes that it's Jesus. He knows who Jesus is, and so he begins to shout, Jesus! Jesus! And the disciples are like, shut up, man. It's Jesus. He don't have time for you. 
Does Bartimaeus stop? No, the Bible says he screams all the louder. Jesus! Sometimes you got to scream. You got to scream because the world and your circumstances are, are, are speaking to you louder than your faith. And sometimes you just got to yell his name like you have never yelled it before. And I guarantee you, you will begin to see things move and things shift in your life because he is real and because he still believes in you, because he still loves you, because he has not forgotten about you. He has not left you or forsaken you, forsook you, forsaw you, whatever forsaken, forsooked. He has not done any of those things. He is for you and not against you. And Bartimaeus was healed that day because he didn't let the butt of his circumstance stop him from receiving what God promised him. And so this morning, I don't know where you are, what you're dealing with, Chris, can I get you to come play a little bit for me? I don't know what it is. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what your family looks like. I don't know any of those things. But your city needs you. Your city needs you. Your city is in the midst of a division, diversion. People are choosing sides. But I am here to encourage you as the body of Christ. Don't fall for diversions. Because although your circumstances may be dreary now, God is interjecting a butt in the middle. Can we bow our heads? I don't know any, anyone in here really, but I'm going to take this opportunity because I believe anytime we gather together as the body, we, we should make sure that we are all in right standing with Jesus. And so if there's anyone in here, you feel like you've drifted away. You want to get closer to Jesus, or maybe you don't know him at all. If that's anyone, if you would put your hand up, I want to pray with you. Amen. The second call that I want to I want to give is if you are on the negative end of a but God. If your situation or circumstance looks so dim and you don't see a way out and you've lost sight of what it means to have faith in a Jesus who will put all of those situations and circumstances out and intervene. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Amen. I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, we, we acknowledge your presence here today. Father, we acknowledge that you are still in the blessing business. 
And God, we thank you that you have not forgotten about us. Father, I pray for the ones who raise their hands. God, I pray that you would begin to move the distractions out of the room. That you would begin to move the circumstances in a direction that is consistent with your word, that is consistent with your character, that is consistent with who you are. Father, I pray that you would continue to make ways where there are no ways. Father, I pray right now for the ones who raise their hands. Bless them. And I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning, be with family. And I pray that as we leave this place, that you would protect us and keep us until we can be together again. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for letting me be here. preaching that sermon that you just preached for about three days now, all right? Okay. It was needed today. It was. I'm telling you, it was needed today. We prayed about it, and it came. God's blessing. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. Yes, sir. You play? Oh, yeah, yeah. I just had to bring that back. I was using it this week. Okay. Uh, I played drums, but I played this this week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to play while we... I wanted to play out here while we were singing, but I didn't know how they would feel about that. Well, that's crazy. I should have. Yeah, yeah. Are you into instruments? I actually play bass and drums for our church too. So that's just wonderful. I love it too, man. Oh, maybe I should turn that off. Before I go to the bathroom.